There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. One saying I haven't heard for a while is the old escaping the old rat race. Maybe you're listening to this right now. You're in your car. Look next to you. There's a car full of rats. Look the other side. There's a car full of rats. You're all racing into the city and then you'll do your work and then race home. Rinse and repeat. I did it for like four and a half years. Did you ever do a long commute, John? No, I was actually thinking about that this morning. I have not. I've been fortunate enough not to have to do it, Glenn. Yeah. So we're going to talk about the rat race today and how to get out of it. You'll be encouraged by that. But we can't do this Tuesday episode without the help from Sharesies. So thank you to Sharesies for bringing us this Tuesday show. The Sharesies app has a feature called Auto Invest, which makes it easier to put your investing on repeat. Pick an order, the amount you want to regularly invest, and Auto Invest will place the orders for you. Ta-da! You are removed from the process, my friends. You can choose a pre-made Auto Invest order or create your own DIY order from a range of companies and exchange traded funds listed on the AU, US, or NZ markets. And this is the cool thing, peeps. If you want to get started with your investing, use the exclusive promo code MMM to get $10 added to your account, ready to invest when you sign up to the Sharesies platform. You could literally get the Sharesies app, put the code MMM in, not put any of your own money and just get started with that $10. Get a feel for investing. John, are you ready to have a chat about all the good things? I am indeed. Well, this is Glenn James and you're listening to My Millennial Money with John Pigeon from My Millennial Property. So Mike put a question in to the Facebook group and funnily enough, John is actually planning to do a a recorded clarity call with Mike. So that will be really interesting, but we both obviously thought this is a good one to talk about and we'll still talk about it. He put escaping the rat race. My partner and myself have made up our minds to sell our house in the city and live rural. We want to buy a cheaper house on a few acres about an hour away from the city with idea of more than halving our mortgage, giving us more freedom to enjoy life and also paying off mortgage in eight years verse 20. We also plan to set up a separate Airbnb on the property whilst also keeping our city jobs. Moving outside the city is something we've always wanted to do, but was curious if anyone had any advice about some of the potential financial pitfalls or other things to look out for before we started to move. Thanks so much and love the advice on this page. Like I read this and there's two things here because I believe you can escape the rat race without having to move to the country. Because for me, escaping the rat race, and if we define the rat race as commuting heavily, rinse and repeat, like an hour, 40 minutes, in and out each day. You're caught up in this 
capitalistic commercial pig of a world, you know, you just on the grind, you're time poor, you're spending more than two hours a day in the car, perhaps it's chaos. I just want to go and get some groceries and it's a 20 minute drive in traffic just to get to the supermarket, like all this crazy stuff. Now for me, when I really started to live life on my own terms and for those new, I call it loot, the antidote to fire, I guess, whatever. Once you really have that mindset of life on your own terms, life on own terms, you can actually remove yourself from that rat race. Now, I've resolved in my life, for example, I don't go to the supermarket in peak times. Just this morning, I had to drop my car off to get serviced, got out of the, uh, left home around 8.30 and realized, oh crap, traffic time, this is rubbish, dropped the car off for a service. And because I live life on my own terms, and I get not everyone can do this extreme, I'm like, well, I'll just walk to a cafe have a morning coffee for 15 minutes, then get the Uber back when there's no traffic. So I think it's about that positioning, about building your life on your own terms. Because I 100% hypothesize, Johnny boy, if Mike moved to the country, what if he had a quote unquote nine to five that was 100% remote, that had all the pressures in the world in that job, that made living in the nice countryside hell anyway because it's all this internal work thing? It's a good question and and I'm really looking forward to chatting with Mike in depth about this. I suppose it's an interesting spin that you put on it in in terms of defining the rat race. When I think of rat race and you mentioned about the the daily commute, I think more of it's just busy. Wherever you go, it's busy. It's mm. it's line up at the supermarkets. It's it's yeah. um, stopping at stoplights. It's it's people everywhere. There's there's commute if there is uh, is one or if even if there's not, you experienced this morning. There's school zones and all these other things. Going to the country, you're still getting that, but in very small proportions. And mm. and growing up in the country, I know that that people will still whinge and moan about the traffic in the country areas because they feel it's getting busier anyway compared yeah. to what they know. So. I think it's coming back to, like you mentioned about life on your own terms. Well, are we enjoying our nine to five or eight to 10 or whatever we call it from a work perspective? And then what are we, what are our interests and hobbies outside of that to see whether we're fit for rural life or we just love the city and and we absorb everything that comes with the city. So I think, Mike, it's a courageous step to be able to get out of the city and and explore a totally different lifestyle. But it's something that by the sounds of it, they've always thought about doing. So I think there lies the important part. They've always had a fascination to move out of the city into this rural location of some description. Yeah. Now I was thinking following last week's episode where in the after party, I kind of was you know, sharing my breakdown and all that stuff, my little crisis. I was thinking of the quote, no matter where you go, there you are. And I'm just looking online here, just on Google, you cannot escape it no matter where you run from, wherever you go, you are burdened with yourself. Wherever you go, there you are. In a conclusion, a precursor appeared in a spiritual work by Thomas A. Kempis, composed in the 1400s. So look, that saying's been around a long time. But my whole thing is, 
are you changing physical things that won't fix the intangible things? Yeah, and a big thing Mike mentioned was paying down the mortgage in a faster time frame, didn't totally. like so. Yeah. So we look at, I don't know, you, you live, you, you give high level example and say, instead of the two million dollar property in the city, I'm taking a million dollar acreage an hour out, yeah. or I'm taking a million dollar mortgage in the city to a 500k mortgage further out. Like yeah. a, there's there's many extremes of that. So understanding what people's comfortable levels are for, for mortgage repayments to get it done in eight years. So everyone's different in that respect. But essentially, he's not trading one for the other. He's not taking a million dollar mortgage in, in Melbourne per se mm. and taking it out to Ballarat with the same level of mortgage because mm. it's defeating the purpose in his mind, isn't it? So that's a number one priority. Yeah. And I think that's that's awesome. And if it is a hard financial thing that we think we can get more zen in our life without the the population build up with a smaller mortgage. Awesome, go for it. You know, I don't know if I could ever live in Sydney, for example, just too hectic for me. I just want to caution, yeah, you wherever you go, there you are. And sometimes you don't want to move and uproot your life and move and all that and then it turns into hell anyway. Because you can really, like you can actually live in a city, quote unquote, with relative peace and zen and total control over your life. Absolutely. And and you've just proven that. You, you don't have to go, if you don't have kids, you don't have to drop the kids off at, at school time. You can go and do the shopping in the middle of the day or whenever you feel like it. You can go to your, book your appointments when no one else books them and, and you've got a heap of choice around that and that makes your life le- less busy organically, doesn't it? But Totally. Uh, just, he's talking about this eight versus 20 years and I want to just park there for a sec mm. is to say, well, okay, let's say Mike's 30, right? His mortgage is done and dusted by 38 versus saying, well, Mike's got a mortgage from 30 through to age 50. And for those that are hovering around the late 30s, early 40s, creeping up towards 50, th- that 12 years is a pretty important time frame that you've got more choices to do more things because you have not got a mortgage. Mm. And, and a lot more people are putting priority on this, I think simply because people are more aware of what they want in these sort of times, but also they're confronted in Sydney, Melbourne, Canberra, Brisbane with a million dollar mortgage and it scares the life out of them and say, well, okay, what's my alternative? And they're thinking of ideas like this, such as what Mike has referenced to. Yeah. We'll read some responses uh, to Mike's question from the Facebook group. And when we do all this stuff, we usually use your first name only just so you've got a bit of privacy. Everything you put in the Facebook, I can do what I want with it. So that's one of the conditions. Laurel. Uh, <laughs> Emily said, we moved from Perth to Margaret River, 6,000 square metres, best decision we ever made. Three young kids loving all the country has to offer. Amazing community. Hubby FIFO, so still works the same job. I picked up a local teaching job. PS, I think primary school maybe. Uni started own musical theatre for kids company. So earnings are actually higher than what they were. Working on a two times one on property. What's that mean, John? Anyway, we'll keep going. Just check council regulations, what you can build and how you are allowed to STA slash rent out. 
What's STA mean again? In- yeah, to, um, two dwellings on the one property, yeah. I think, is what um, she's referring to. Yeah. E.g. fire risks were all limited and STA not each to get with ancillary or whatever. I don't heaps understand, but you get the vibe. Yeah, so Margaret River versus Perth. Prices, yeah, some would say somewhat similar, to be honest. When but then talking- that's the argument. It's like, well, if I've got to pay six grand a month for a mortgage, well, I'd yeah. rather a bit of property and be able to breathe. That's right. And, and, and I'll pick up the, the pain uh, medicine with the lifestyle. <laughs> Yeah, and it's it's all about what our our kids are into and the interests and hobbies and what what's happening after hours is is just as important, isn't it? Robbie says we did this a few years ago and the financial freedom feels so good. We were very careful to choose somewhere with a hospital nearby and also an airport. I really didn't realize how much I loved the shops in a bigger center, and that's been a tough one to get used to. I now have the time and more money to spend the day wandering the shops that are about one hour away. It's just not spontaneous window shopping anymore. Mm, yeah. There's one here from Jeff, and I have a feeling he's a mate of yours. We moved from Dremoyne three years ago up to the Central Coast, now on three acres in Holgate. Now, if you know the Central Coast, <laughs> I mean, I'm not affording three acres at Holgate, let me tell you right now. <laughs> And he said, do it, mate. Lifestyle improves times 10 and the city is still relatively or really accessible. One piece of advice. Here we go. Find low maintenance acres. There is such a thing. Yeah. So he's a mover and a shaker, Jeffrey. Um, Is he in the AFL world? (laughs) He is. But the funny thing about this is he lived in the city. He grew up on the Central Coast, but lived in a city and always used to comment, it's like, why would I move back to the Central Coast? Like it's a hellhole. There's nothing to do there and the Mm. the city's where it's at. And, of course, 10 years later, here he is back on the acreage. Was he a player, was he, or just in that world? Yeah, he just played locally here. But, um, Mm. yeah, so, yeah, it's expensive there. But uh, (laughs) he's got a point with that low maintenance and I've I known a few people here locally who have moved out to Acreage and five years later, three years later have moved back in because of the upkeep. They're just spending their weekends, their their free time on a ride on mower and a whippersnipper and, and I think I think if you're grabbing maybe one or two acres, you might factor in some sort of handy person to come and do that so you still generate that life's um, component because whilst it sounds good to ride on a lawnmower for, for an hour a weekend, it does uh, grow thin mm. or, or, or large, whichever you want to use. Melissa has a good point here. Rural living does not equal cheaper. Some things are cheaper, but the savings are eaten up by things that are more expensive. People have already listed so many things that are more expensive and things to check. We live two hours from a major hub and while we love it, it's not a cheaper lifestyle. It's just different to city living. It's interesting that. I spoke to someone yesterday actually who who were in Exmouth, right, and Exmouth is WA. Yes, I was going to say that's quite uh, rural. Mm. Uh, so as a result of it being quite remote, everything's way, way expensive, like petrol mm. shops, like um Groceries, the whole whole bit. So, yeah, saving in terms of mortgage, but paying a little bit more for everything else, or a fair bit more. What's Rachel have to say there? 
Rachel says, I moved rurally two years ago. Lovely little town, but some towns have many years waiting list for a GP. Some towns have no GPs in their hospitals, little or no access to really fresh veggies, little veggie market on a Saturday, and yes, a small a small Coles or Woolies, but nothing like a suburban city suburb. Very little or no access to trades and super inflated tradey prices. Lisa Marie, I'm not sure of your personal situation, but if you have children or intend to and you're moving away from family slash close friends slash support network, it can be really hard. We love semi-rural, takes 25 minutes to get anywhere central and I lived 1.5 hours away from my family and friends and it can be very challenging with a young family. Other than that, it's a lovely change of lifestyle and it is nice to be away from the rat race. That's really important. Like, that whole family and social network. I know when my sister moved to Queensland from down here, mum would fly up every other whatever and help out with the, you know, the twins when they were babies and because there was no real other family up there. So Mm. that's also a consideration. Yeah. So I I think if it is a life changer for you and you're thinking about it, we've just got to really weigh up what are the things that you enjoy doing and what are you going to have to give up as a result of of moving? So, mm. yeah. Well, we'll wait to hear the clarity call with John and Mike on the main podcast here. John actually does um, hour or so paid clarity calls. Um, if you want to bounce your situation off a third party, uh, John just charges $350 for that for his time. Uh, if we did it for free, uh, he would actually not be able to earn a living because he was his days will be filled up <laughs> all day every day uh, talking with you uh, without earning money. So there is a bit of a hurdle there on purpose to um, get that buy-in and to to slow it down. So Celeste said, "Are stocks potentially safer investments, assuming you choose the right one, than ETFs if there is a recession coming?" I wanted to camp on this whole thing around recession-proof and safe stocks and safe investments and all that stuff. Your knowledge of investing through different times, John, what's your comments face value to that? About whether we're going to hit a recession or if we do, how do we deal with it or, or all or of even, the above? You know, we'll go to your wheelhouse. Hmm. Let's change that to are there any types of investment real property that is better if there is a recession coming? Yeah, so I think there's there's two things we need to look at with any investment anyway, don't we? I think the one is, is that investment going to grow in value and what's the research behind that, the historical growth previously and, and indicators going forward? And secondly, what's the cash flow like in that particular investment? And and if we if we go to my wheelhouse, from a property perspective, during a recession, property doesn't always necessarily uh, go down in value, but the low performing assets traditionally over time will be the ones that are hardest hit and the top end. So the the more expensive items that are maybe overinflated to begin with, they'll also take a hit. So assets in the middle of that, the, the cookie cutter mum and dad homes, they uh, stay relatively safe through that time. But I think entering into a recession, and you should always be thinking this anyway, I don't think this should ever leave your mind, is what's the worst case scenario when I go and buy this particular asset? So if you're going to invest in ETFs and and you've paid cash for that and you're contributing monthly and a recession hits, then 
you, you might simply, I don't know, stop contributing monthly for a period of time or worst case, you just still contribute. The performance isn't there, but then you see yourself through those times and life goes on. From a property perspective, if the, if the value goes down, people aren't knocking on your door saying, I need to take this house off you. Again, it comes back to cash flow. Can I afford the repayments? If there's a vacancy at any one time, can I afford that as well? So, yeah, that capital growth and cash flow, but always preparing for the worst anyway, regardless of whether there's a recession. Yeah, so I'm probably answering this two ways. I'll start by saying, are you an individual investor or not? So individual stocks. If the answer is yes, well, you probably don't have ETFs anyway. So if we back up the truck further, that speaks to what is your investment strategy long-term? My investment strategy is to build wealth, low-cost, diversified, uh, broad-based ETF index funds. Like in the main, that's what I do. Now, I'll just unpack a little bit of this. When we talk about individual companies and recession-proof, it is also more about, well, are you an investor for the long term or are you a short term, medium term trader? Because it matters if you're a short term trader. It matters if you're buying and selling throughout the years, right? But if you're a on balance net buyer, I'm just buying and holding for the long term. It doesn't really matter. But individually, stocks that are considered to be recession proof or a little bit defensive when things get tough are going to be things like your power companies. They're going to be things like your Woolworths, like your staples. Like if the shat hits the fan, like it did with COVID, well, Flight Center was probably worth freaking half of what it was because no one's spending that extra money because they couldn't. Any kind of luxury designer things. And on a previous podcast, we talked about the four-wheel drive brand ARB, at face value, hey, if people stop spending money on luxury four-wheel drive bits, that could, you know, in the short term reduce. So even Warren Buffett has recently on Nick's podcast, My Millennial Investor, he was talking about Warren Buffett actually bought a garbage collection company or something like that. Like really basic infrastructure stuff that we always use because when COVID happened, which was a pretty savage recession. <laughs> and this is the whole thing. Like, is it a technical recession or an actual one? You know, I think it was a technical recession for 10 minutes during COVID, but I kept shopping at Woolworths. John, you kept shopping at Woolworths. So you've got to look at companies like that. But if we step back further and look at our strategy, and that is my investing strategy is to build long-term wealth in broad-based index ETFs. Well, that's what we're doing. And I've said this before, like if over a 10 or 20 year period is our time horizon, our strategy doesn't change if for two of those years or one of those years is quote unquote a recession. So all that to say, don't get caught up in the short term things when it comes to investing. We need to buy diversification, low cost quality for the lion's share of our money. Now, you might say, well, that's fine, Glenn. I'll make a number up just because it's always really handy to have round numbers. And to make it a bit more juicy, I'll use $100,000. You might say, well, I've got $90,000 in broad-based ETFs. 
90% of my portfolio, 10% of my portfolio because I've got general, a genuine interest in investing, I might buy some shares in Woolworths. I might buy some shares in AGL. I might buy some shares in rubbish company because I'm interested in following this stuff. And if that keeps you engaged with your money, it's worth doing. But all in all, go back to your strategy, Celeste. What are you doing? Are you building wealth, low cost diversified for the long term? And if that's the case, we don't say, oh, there's a boom about to happen. What companies do we invest in when there's a boom about to happen? <laughs> that rarely happens because, <laughs> you know, we just don't. It's always like, oh, what do I invest in during non-favorable times? So what's Glenn James doing if there is an oncoming recession? I'm still going to work every day and putting money in my uh, broad-based ETF portfolio and getting on with my life. Yeah, no, that's, uh, that's good advice. Good general advice. Now, just I, I put this in the sheet here, John. On the 24th of July, the AFR read an exclusive with uh, the reporter Carrie LaFrenz. And so I just want to read this article. If you don't know, West Farmers is a listed company and they own Kmart and Target. And the title is Kmart Target to create a $10 billion dual brand discount retail giant. West Farmers Target is being folded into its discount stablemate Kmart, creating a singular $10 billion business with the aim of boosting returns as value offerings become more desirable to shoppers battling the rising cost of living. A management rejig being outlined to staff on Wednesday afternoon will result in Target MD Richard Pearson moving to a new role within West Farmers Health Unit. Mr. Pearson will become its retail director leading the strategy operational side of the division, including its price line chain and loyalty program. Ian Bailey retains oversight of the enlarged Kmart group. And it continues, Mr. Bailey expects tougher economic times ahead for many Australians. And this is a quote from him. I see value being really front and center for a long time, he said. What we're seeing is when we can consistently hit good products at great prices, then there's plenty of demand out there. And this is the last little paragraph. While Mr. Bailey expects Target and Kmart to thrive, discount chain Best and Less has suffered multiple profit warnings with fewer shoppers passing through its doors. And this is the big one, as has Domino's Pizza, suggesting Australians in low income brackets are cutting back on spending. Mm. I must be a rich bogan because I love my dominoes. ASX Retail's Baby Bunting, Adairs, Universal Store and BCF's owner, Super Retail Group, have also flagged softer conditions. So the TLDR on that is, in the background, West Farmers are basically consolidating the operations of Kmart and Target. So... The brands will still be there. You'll still be able to walk into a Kmart store. You'll still be able to walk into a Target store, but they're using Kmart's technology and platform and all that stuff in the back end to obviously make it a bit more scalable at the back end. But all that to say, you know, if these big retailers, these people know trends and if Domino's are softening, if Adair's, Universal Store, BCF, people are spending less money and you know yourself, you probably spend less on stuff because... You're paying an extra $1,000 a flipping month on your mortgage now. 
so that's not news. So I just wanted to flag that for those who are interested in, you know, how you can get some signs of what's happening. You just see what the retail peeps are doing. And I think generally we're cutting back on things that we absolutely don't need. They're the first things to go, aren't they? So mm. it might be eating out. It might be just that extra discretional shopping that we we pull back on first and the retailers are the first to cop that, fortunately. But, um, yeah, I was even thinking when you were saying that, like um, baby buntings, like a, a, a family sitting here now saying, okay, we're going to have three kids but now at the minute times are a bit tough, we might only actually have two. It, it may define their future based on what they're experiencing right now. They just want maybe a better lifestyle, more, more spending money. Yeah, totally. We'll be back right after this. If you're after personal financial advice, don't get it from a podcast. If you would like help based on your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com. Click get help and we'd be happy to introduce you to one of our trusted advisors. Our panel of advisors, mortgage brokers and accountants work with clients all over Australia so they can connect with you wherever you are. That's sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Radio, welcome back to the community segment of the week where we ask you a provocative, fun, different, engaging question in the Facebook group. This segment is brought to you by Sky Wealth, sky.com.au forward slash MMM. If you haven't got your income insurance sorted, you need to sort it out. If you're a parent and you have debt and dependents, you got to get bloody death cover. And we'll talk about this a bit later. So thanks to sky.com.au forward slash MMM. Log in, have a 15 minute chat with one of their advisors, and they'll just walk you through the whole process of what's involved. We asked you in the Facebook group, if you could go back in time and give career advice to your younger self, what would you say? Tamara Potter says, don't let yourself get treated like shite because you're scared you won't find something else. There's always going to be something else. That is extremely mm. positive. 
That's- I thought we weren't saying last names, but whatever. Helena, <laughs> don't take a good manager for granted. A good boss can make a big difference to your life. Not everyone is the same. Marina, being high achiever won't progress your career. Horizontal moves or job hopping will, and don't underestimate office politics. Mm. Horizontal moves. Giddy up. Hey, keep it G. <laughs> Kirsten, jobs that make you feel guilty for taking genuine sick leave aren't worth your time. Those managers are not professionals. That's absolutely correct. Mm. That's wild. And, you know, John, in that career book that we wrote, like, this whole like taking risks with your career and with your job, one of the things was, and I know Kirsten isn't talking about this, but if you feel like, even if it was the best magical manager in the world, Mm. if you feel like you can't ask for a sick day or if you feel like you can't ask for leave or if you feel like you can't say, hey, I've got a little bit of problem, I need you to practice that because that's kind of just this first thing on the career risk spectrum to start yes. to get your risk muscle moving. But yeah, I'm actually, you know, there are genuine dickhead managers out there. Yeah, look, and that career book you mentioned, I think it's a, a wonderful book and, and will always be relevant, but I think it's even more relevant now than it was 12 months ago just because of the uncertainty in a lot of people's workplaces and they're not enjoying what they're mm. doing. And is that because it wasn't out 12 months ago? <laughs> yeah, it could have been. <laughs> um, um, but go get yourself a copy. Yeah, giddy up. Inga, if that's how I pronounce your name, sorry. Don't stay to place for too long just because you're comfortable. Amen, sister. Embrace mm. taking risks and change. Callum, learn personal finance early and not just work for week-to-week spending. Yeah, That's good because realistically – And we've all done it. Hmm. When you think about it, every time I waste money, I've wasted time at work because I trade my time for money. Yeah. So if I earn $50 an hour or something like that, $30 an hour, I have no idea what people earn. And you go and blow $30 on frivolous things. Hmm. You've just wasted an hour that day at work. You work for nothing. Yeah, that's right. And and similar to that, you you don't leave two scoops of ice cream in the bowl, do you? Ah, uh, I certainly don't. What are you talking about? No, well, is this fin- a metaphor? You finish, <laughs> you finish your ice cream because it's so nice. It's the mm. same with money coming in. We've oh. got this habit to spend it all. Giddy up, Sarah. Trust that if you say yes to what interests you, you will find your way. Mm. Hannah, don't spend 50K on a master's degree. Get in via an entry-level role and go from there. You'll end up in the same spot anyway. That's right. And then if you do need the degree, an employer may pay for it. This one, Teresa, I don't agree with, but I'll say it anyway. Go to uni. You are smart enough. (sighs) Yeah. Well, okay. Let's unpack this, as they say. (laughs) You, You don't have... Like, like I suppose what she's maybe saying is believe in yourself. Yes, that's what I'm getting at. Yeah, mm. but the uni bit, questionable. Yeah, but. and if in doubt, wait it out. Mm. No, don't don't actually take that advice. Um, well, maybe, I don't know. Hey, that was the community segment of the week. That was well and truly butchered. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's get on to the housekeeping right now. 
Okay, we run housekeeping halfway through each Tuesday episode. I don't know why we don't do it through Thursday episodes. I think because Tuesday episodes, John, are more of the official podcast episodes. Too serious. Yeah, very serious. If you haven't heard, the online course, the Glenn James Spending Plan is now free. It includes about 18 videos. I will show you how to manage your money if you're crap and sloppy and you're living week to week and you can't get ahead, you struggle to save money, you feel financial pressure, I will help you and I won't charge you. This is now free. In fact, all our courses are free except the ones that um, aren't ours. But I think John charges for his course and Emily does, but hey. I give a few things away. He does. <laughs> I've got an amazing property management tracker for free. Oh, do you? Well, there you go. Listen to the property podcast or slide into John's DM, sucked in. But yeah, look, the Glenn James Spending Plan, the online investing school course, the crypto course, everything. We're just giving it away, whatever. Just, And I want you, if you work in a business and you've got employees or you're, if you're in HR, I want you to just forward this course to your whole team. Just get it out there. I don't care. I'm paying, I mean, like $400 a month on the hosting platform and it's unlimited. It could be 5,000 people who use it in one month and I don't have to pay anymore. Like don't actually care. But just there's a thing here from Jess Spicer uh, that was in the Facebook group. Good morning, everyone. And as I said, we weren't saying surnames or whatever. I'm new to my millennial money. I've done the course over the weekend and have filled out my spreadsheet. Giddy up. Just wondering your main grocery shop, weekly, fortnightly, monthly, whichever it may be, does that money come out of your main bills account or the X amount that you get transferred to your other bank account, which you have a card for? Great question, Jess. That money for groceries is in the weekly spend account. So go back to the spreadsheet on the second tab at the very top. There's a weekly spend and it'll have food, fuel, going out, entertainment. And that amount each week you transfer from your cash hub, which is your main bills account, over to that weekly spend account. And finally, do you want to read this one, John? Yeah, sure. Tuesday, 8th of August, 7pm, Australian Eastern Daylight Time. <laughs> uh, bumps, babies and baggage, financial planning insights for expecting and future parents. From fertility challenges to birthing hiccups and all the fun that comes once kids arrive, the great James Millard from Sufficient Funds has seen it all. James will share some insight and practical tips on how to navigate the five steps to starting a family and do it with financial confidence. Register via the link in the show notes. So that'll be cool. Yeah. Just going back to the uh, Sky Wealth sponsored community segment. Yes. Insurance, very important. Mm-hmm. I was riding my bike on Saturday morning, got hit by a car. You did? Yes. Yeah, me and a wow. friend, got, uh, we got knocked off in the dark. Uh, had our lights on. He didn't see us, T-boned us. Yeah. I didn't know. Yeah. You horse, right? and jockey, horse and jockey both okay, but uh, yeah, it's important. You just never know what could have happened in the that bike's instant. okay? Yeah. yeah so it was, it was more of a love kiss, really. Well, yeah, it was more than that. It was a, probably a hate kiss, but yeah, yeah, it was a bit of damage, but we'll get there. You got any so, grazes on your knees? He has. I haven't, no. Wow. But yeah, you just don't know what's around the corner. Literally. <laughs> well, that's it. Like I'm, I want to get my motor, anyway, we'll talk in the after party, but- 
I just want to have a quick chat around this insurance. There's been some chatter in the Facebook group and people have been like, I'm with one super company and the insurance isn't great. I need to move super companies to get better insurance. This is the biggest untruth, misinformed, not known thing in the whole world. The long and the short of it is you can have your super fund, whatever super fund it is in Australia, industry fund, retail fund, list the top five funds, all that, whatever you want, you can go to Sky Wealth or any financial advisor for that matter. They can set up proper medically underwritten insurance and have that premium for that insurance come out of the super fund. So that really means the insurance is portable. If you do want to change super funds, knock yourself out, select no insurance if you've already got it outside. So that's just one thing I wanted to clear up. The And when you are looking at super fees, you can't use... Well, here's a question for you, John. What are two things... <laughs> you mean make me look silly. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> what are two things... And I was just talking about one of them, so you should get one of them right. What are two fees that come out of a super fund or two expense line items that you can't consider when comparing costs of super funds? Oh, mate, wrong bloke. No, I just freaking said one of them, insurance. Yeah, in insurance. And- because that's, well, so the insurance, because the super fees, the investment fee and the platform fee, right, that's the same whether you've got insurance or not. So you can't say, oh, it's cheaper super fund over here yeah. because the insurance is cheaper. You can't yeah. do that because each fund it's has relevant. their own insurance arrangements. So you've just got to look without insurance. And yeah. the next line item expense? Is? Contributions tax. There you go. Yeah, because everyone pays contributions tax. So if you see like, oh, I've had $20 a week come out in contributions tax, you can't do that because you're going to get that taken out with all the funds that you compare. Yeah, I, I do actually need to pay more attention to that. It's um, something that other people do and I, I need to do it. So that's made a mental note. Well, well, one thing you do do, Natalie in the Facebook group said, how many units slash townhouses are too many in a development? What should the goal be? Now, I don't know if she's a filthy capitalist pig and a developer <laughs> <laughs> or if she's looking to buy? Well, I answered it as a developer, I think, in the group. But, yeah, I, I'm going on the angle of that she's looking to buy. Mm, same. So we actually did, Emily and I did an episode on this. I think it's, yeah, would have already dropped. But I don't think there's actually a number per se. It, it's understanding in the area that you're in. Like if if she's living in the middle of Melbourne, biggest building might have 300, 400 units in the complex. So then that, there lies the benchmark, right? The more in it, the more variables, which we spoke about in the show. So you've, you've always got for lease signs, you've always got for sale signs, you've got people getting rid of distressed property so they take a, a hit on their property so that brings the, the whole building's value down. So I think the less the better is generally uh, what you want. And and we spoke about some numbers and I think, again, depending on the location, but ideally you'd like to have a larger 
portion of the value of the land. So if you've got a complex of 100, that land value is divided by 100 essentially. So Yeah, but I think there's two edges to this sword. There is units which are generally multi-storey and then yep. there's townhouses which is usually just two-storey. Yeah, so, so you said units slash townhouses. Yeah, so, um, yeah, we're yeah. sort of like, yeah, townhouses, different story, but also the same in the sense that, okay, how many is in the complex? Well, again, as little as many, mm. uh, sorry, as little as can be, yeah. to be honest. yeah. My if, own personal view is like because I own townhouses and I've lived in one for seven years, I'm probably not doing more than six Townhouses? Yeah, in a complex. Yeah, I'd be even less than that, I'd reckon, if I had to, well, again, depending on where it is. It's actually, it's a really interesting point because when it's strata, so the one at Blue Bay, right, mm. there's three people in it's strata. Now, it's not big enough to have a external strata, bank account, collecting formal levies and all that stuff. So there is a risk that, like, if we want to get the whole thing repainted, if one person can't afford it, well, what do you do? Yeah. Well, they, if it's majority vote, they unfortunately have to cough up. Oh, like absolutely. I get that. But in practice, yeah, it's just harder. I know when we had the driveway done, I paid for it up front and then collected the money. Like, yeah. So there is that. And I think once you get to six, I would imagine even over four, there's probably a, a formal committee. Sure, there isn't a little bit of extra fee with having a, an external strata management company manage it, but I think it actually gives you a little bit more certainty that there is uh, some formalities for the capital works. Well, there's usually more control when you've got less, right? So, so for two... Uh, we built two townhouses here locally, mm. both Torrens titles. So they're on their own title, but there's yep. a community area, which is the driveway, right? There's no formalized arrangement there. It's just it's just shared, right? So, But you've got your own piece of land, which is way more valuable than if, if it mm. was strata titles. So mm. that's the best version of it. And then you go backwards and, from there based on the price you've got to spend. Yeah. And for me, the whole under six is more of a practical thing, like- you get to the stage, like there's there's one on the main road here coming into Belmont. If you're in this Newcastle area, North Belmont, you're going through past the old Bunnings and all that on the left-hand side. Yeah. I reckon there's maybe 40 or so wow. townhouses, like just this big. And for me, it's like if you're in the guts of it, like you're snaking through, like there's just mm. more things tight, more cars. A lot of them have pools. Uh, is someone being a dickhead and having people over, like yeah. I just think, like you said, less is more because the ultimate less is freehold property on an old, on its own block. Yeah. Or well, Mike, the, Mike's acre. Yeah, that's it. right. The ultimate <laughs> less is like 6,000 square metres with one house on it. So, yeah, yeah with units and ta- with high-rise units, I mean, you've just got to do your due diligence. I was just going to say, there's an article in the uh, Fin Review today uh, which states 30,000 units under construction currently in Melbourne. Like, mm. So, yeah, you don't want to be in those large complexes of two, three, four hundred. Like just stay away from them. Yeah. 
if possible. Finally today, Emery. And this kind of goes back to the community stuff we were talking about. How do you know it was time to change your career? Is it a matter of when you know, you know? If you've done it before, what advice would you give to your past self? So I think Shell, who is our resident career expert, she basically says, you've really got to look for those signs of have you outgrown? Although is that more of a job or a role? Anyway, I won't actually speak for Shell. Um, but <laughs> we I'm should thinking, have pre-recorded her answer. Well, I was going to. Should I give her a call now? We'll give, we'll give her a call now. While she's dialing in, mm. I think it's also, is it is it change of career or just a change of role within that career? I'm thinking career. Hey, uh, don't say anything that we've texted about because you're um, you're live on a podcast with me and John. Oh. <laughs> Hi. Hi. So we've got a question. How do you know when it's time to change careers? It is a matter of is it a matter of when you know you know. So I was saying like when you talk about when you know it's time to change your job, that's like that whole you're not challenged anymore or you've outgrown it. Yeah, you're bored. Yeah. Not growing. Yeah. So how do you know it's time to change careers? Mm. So I think you've done a few things first. So the first thing you would have done is you've tested if it's the employer or the culture that you're currently in. So you've what I want you to have done is, okay, is it actually the environment that I'm in currently that's not working? And so therefore try a different organisation first and B, is it just the environment I'm in is not working for me? If you get to a different place and you realise, no, it's still the job, like the career that I've chosen, let's say you're, you know, an accountant and you move from one internal accounting to working in an accounting practice externally, try that, see if it works. If that doesn't work, then you start to go, well, maybe being an accountant's not for me. What I want people to do is to diagnose what is the exact problem. Yes. Well, and, and that could go back to that whole chapter one values that we talked about, right? Hundred percent. Like this person, whoever they are, they need to get the sort your career out book. <laughs> Shameless plug. But I think the other thing, Glenn, is you've you've tried like the design thinking process is really good for anyone who's got a career change question. Because I want you to test some stuff. Like test different things out and see how it works. So so try a couple of different employers, see if that's good. Like at this point, you're not so worried about job hopping. You're more working out, do I just need to leave this career in fullness? Mm. And then we look at, okay, if those things aren't working, then maybe it's time for a full career change. But I was talking to someone the other day, Glenn, mm. about is it you could go from being an employee. So for me, for example, like I've got worked in internal HR and now I work as a HR consultant running my own business, that's a career change. Yes. Because I've gone from an employee to a business owner. Mm. You could, so it's not, it doesn't have to be you're fully going from working as an accountant to a physiotherapist. I think, think we overestimate what a career change is sometimes. It can be smaller changes and that's still a career change. I would call that a career pivot. A pivot, mm, if you will. If you will. <laughs> All right, see you later. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much for that. Bye. Okay, Bye. <laughs> Look, I think maybe as well, it could be if you're really in a good financial position, Johnson. Yes. Do you do that whole 
can I now double down on my passion? Mm. Like for me at the moment, doing the boat course stuff. Well, I would argue, can you not go and pursue your passion anyway? Well, a lot of people might not be financially set up, quote unquote, where they can take one or two days off to pursue a no, passion. No, no, sorry. Sorry, what I, where I was going there was can I pursue a passion and make it my job? But it's also like, you know, when it comes to money, more is more. If you've got a whole heap of money and a big emergency fund and no debt and you're really in a good position, you might have some long service leave up and you're like, look, I've got, I'm having three months off to eat, pray, love, press reset. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. just search hashtag careers in the Facebook group. But it's good chat and yeah. just have you thinking all the time exactly what Shell said. Does the place just suck and you think you hate accounting? Yeah. Where if you went to a place where they actually value people, could that re-invitalize you because you're not underpaid and overworked? Yeah. And and when you first started the role, did you enjoy it? Mm. Did, when you first went into that industry, did you enjoy it? Okay, what's changed? Mm, Toads. All right. We might leave it there. Do you want an update? I'll give you and everyone an update about my first week at TAFE as well in the after party. But um, Can't wait. Yeah, we'll leave it there. Thanks so much for listening to my Millennial Money today. I'm Glenn James. This is John Pigeon. See you later. Have a good day. We acknowledge the Awabakal people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits, and pay respects to their elders past, present, and emerging. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. My Millennial Money supports a variety of charities, and we encourage you to consider giving as part of your overall financial strategy. If you would like some giving options, or if you're unsure about which charity you can support, head to mymillennial.money forward slash charities for more info. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement, target market determination, and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, and Glenn James are authorized representatives of Money Sherpa Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Right, so, yeah, last week, first two days at TAFE. Yes. And it was really good. Was it? Yeah. 
I'm. Uh, who's? Uh, what's the clientele? Well, there's. It's very interesting. Um, so there's five of us in the class. So there's me. There's two other dudes, maybe in their th- early thirties, mm. who are kind of between jobs, um, looking for a career change. Yep. Um, so they're you know starting this cert too. There's two other blokes, maybe one oh, early fifties, maybe one mid fifties ish. I don't know. Um, Just doing it for interest's sake. Well, no, both also career change. Mm. One of them was um, like ex-copper, for example, left the oh. police force, did something, other desk-based job, didn't love it. Um, is, and, yeah, so yeah, career okay. change. Yeah. And what job would they potentially go into? What would their title be? Like um, oh, like kind of, you know, first mate type deckhand or mm. – so you know those um, – cruises on the river or whatever, yeah. Sydney Harbour, and you jump on and so it could be someone who... Welcomes you on. Well, not that's maybe more deckhand, but like who's on the bridge and... Okay. Well, you can be a master of a boat up to 12 metres with this course. So it's just that type of thing, commercial vessel um, yeah. inshore, cool. not offshore and international stuff and those big coal ships, but it is a start. Is it interesting? Oh, well, this is it, like... So for anyone in the education world, and I've done courses and I've done diplomas, advanced diplomas, I've done, you know, master's level certifications and all that stuff. This is a certificate too. So Mm. it's pretty early on, no prerequisites. Because I'm genuinely interested in boating, because for me, the worst case is I become a better cappy. I learn more and because one day I want to buy a bigger boat and have it at a marina and, you know, do all yep. that stuff. Yeah. Can I have 400 grand, John? I want to buy a boat. Yeah. Um, so for me, I the whole thing is it's 100% interest and I'm really loving it. I've learned so much. And interestingly enough, I'm just retaining so much of the information when I learn it. Is that because A, you're older or B, you enjoy it? I think it's... Um, a, I'm older, B, I'm interested and enjoy it and C, it's not heaps hard because it's Cert 2. Yeah. <laughs> I think. Yeah. But either way, like, you know, if I, so for example, one of the questions and thanks to everyone who's um, reached out on um, LinkedIn and sent me nice messages, heaps of my Bodhi people who listen are like, hey, I, cool. I'm a boat dude and all that. <laughs> yeah. um, so like, for example, one of the, so we're doing international regulations, right? Collision regulation. One of the practice questions. In the international collision prevention regulations, a power driven vessel means a vessel, A, propelled by machinery alone, B, propelled by machinery, C, not designed to be under sail, or D, fitted with a motor. So in the International Collision Prevention Regulations, a power-driven vessel, I feel like I'm on that show, Who Wants to Be Patronised by a Millionaire? Eddie McGuire. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Don't know. What's the answer? It's B, propelled by machinery, because a sailboat with a motor 
if the motor isn't engaged, it's not a power-driven vessel, but as soon as the motor is on it, it's propelling the, the, the vessel, it switches to a power-driven vessel. Right. There you go. Um, and, so and that's th- international regulations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just crap like um, the duty of an overtaking vessel in open waters is to give a sound signal, be give a sound signal and overtake safely, Keep C, keep clear of the overtaken vessel. D, overtake on the starboard side. Do you know what the starboard side is and port side? I'm just thinking that because I was, yeah, we were looking at getting a boat license. Uh, the Well, the answer is to keep clear of the overtaken vessel Yeah, in open water. Yeah, but it's, um, I was thinking uh, when I was on the boat last, it's, it's the opposite side to what you think, isn't it? Well, the colour, so for example, the right-hand side of the boat is green or starboard, left is port. When you go up a channel, you go on the right-hand side. Yes. And if you're going head-on with another vessel, you both change your course to starboard or to the right to avoid right. each other. Yeah. So, so, yeah, like I genuinely enjoy all this crap. Um, it's, and you know, at the end of the day, it making, it's making me a better cappy. Mm. Um, There's no downside. No, and it's only um, 9 till 3 p.m. Thursday and Friday. I mean, some days obviously will go over or, or whatnot. Um, How many weeks? I don't know, 18 maybe, yeah. less than. But they take you out on a boat a few times. and Yeah. So the whole thing is TAFE's a regulated or registered trading organisation, RTO, mm. and they basically, you do it with TAFE, get your certificate, take it to the Australian Maritime Safety Authority and go, yep, done my certificate. But also if I want to get signed off by AMSA, mm. I've got to do 30 C days. And C days is basically spending 30 lots of eight hours on a boat. So I might get a part-time job on a vessel in Newcastle, or Port Stephens or something like that, just a couple of days a week next year. Yeah, there you go. So, but also like... <sighs> Last week, because it was the first time I'd recorded for a while, there was a bit of a train wreck because I was just like, oh, what do I do with my life, I'm bored and all this. This has been really good for me as a bit of um, a, a reset and I've been more productive. So like I'm only doing meetings on Tuesday and Wednesdays now because tapes Thursday, Friday. So just getting more stuff done. So all that to say, everyone at any time, you want to make some type of career or life change, just slowly start. Just baby steps, you reckon? Just, yeah, like the time's passing anyway. Yeah. Like we just live in a place where it's amazing that there's free um, free TAFE courses and all that stuff. Like, mm. Is that free? It was, yeah. So wow. the government, I think last budget or the year before, allowed a whole heap of free TAFE courses. Right. It's wonder why you're doing it. Well, I logged on. I'm like, oh, six grand, I reckon I'll do that. Like, yeah. And then went to pay and they're like, no, it's free. I'm like, all right. Yeah. <laughs> so get involved, everyone. Like just yeah. start learning. And it's been a real humbling experience for me because I'm just doing something completely different that I wouldn't usually do, meeting different people. And yeah. I'm not Glenn the money guy. Yeah. Like I'm just Glenn just the boat dude. Yeah, so no downside at all. Other no. than the hours, 
but you've got time, so. Mm. Yeah, so. Like it. All right. Well, we'll stop the recording now. Thanks, everyone. I'll, um, yeah, see you soon. Bye. Bye.